Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codename Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, which means it is time for some strange news. Cadavers and music. The mystery of the Texas grid, uh, the Texas electric grid. And then uh, a choice that I, I thought this might be a hashtag no saw, gentlemen. I thought this might be a fun game to play if you're down for it. Totally. Uh, okay. Now, I, <laughs> I I love that level of trust, Noel. Let me tell you what the, what the game is. Uh, it's, it's not Russian. Don't need to know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I want to know. know. <laughs> it's not Russian roulette. But um, so I, I know we all read stuff extensively. And lately, I've been having a tougher and tougher time just going to... Uh, one story. So I'd like to give you uh, three headlines and maybe uh, Matt, Noel, uh, you all pick the one that you want to hear from uh, from me uh, in, in today's segment. So I've already made my choice. Sorry, but go <laughs> ahead and read them. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. This is like Are voting. Are we sucking the joy out of this for you, Ben? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. It's <laughs> like voting in the Senate. I get it. Uh, yeah. there, no, there's no oh, real mystery. Funny. It's uh, very true. Uh, okay. So, number one, as the Pentagon just admitted to retaining and testing UFO wreckage, number two, uh, what about the massive, unprecedented protest in India as farmers rally against the increasingly tyrannical government? Uh, and number three, what's with the United Kingdom uh, saying they will not resuscitate COVID-19 patients with learning disabilities? Those are the three. What do you think? Mm. Matt, you said you've got your minds made up. Well, there's some really important stuff in there, some stuff that's going to you know, really impact people's lives, uh, especially the, the farmers mm. in India. And, you know, oh, man. It's just horrible, the reporting that's coming from The Guardian right now about that last story you mentioned with mm-hmm. the do not resuscitate. But you said the phrase, the Pentagon admitted to testing UFO wreckage, and there's no way we cannot cover that story. It does feel that way. That's a unanimous vote. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. That sounds like that sounds like a unanimous vote. So uh, let's, if you guys are okay, we'll kick off with that one, and we will... Uh, in all seriousness, we are returning to the story about the protest, the massive protest ongoing, uh, because it's they're still going to be happening for a while. We want to get all the information we can. Uh, and in that way, the desire to get all the information we can, uh, we are similar to an author named Anthony Bregalia, who claims that he does have no fully legitimate proof that the Pentagon did collect UFO wreckage, and did retain it. What's more, they know a lot about it, and they've been experimenting with applications of this stuff. That's, that's the headline. Let's see, uh, let's see how it holds out. So, so here's the backup. Stop me when there are any questions. Uh, okay. There, there should, be some, should be some questions. So Brigalia said that the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency, or DIA, they, they accept FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests. He said that over three years ago, he sent in a request. The man shot a shot, and he said, tell me everything. Tell me everything <laughs> you know under the rights of the FOIA. And then three years later, they came back to him with uh, a series of 154-page test results regarding a, uh, a metal called nitinol. You can look it up now, N-I-T-I-N-O-L. Uh, this, this metal, to Bregalia's thinking, was mind-boggling because nitinol can, is famous for remembering, quote-unquote remembering its shape when you distort it or fold it. So if you had, simple example, if you had a nitinol fork and you bent it, long ways, or in any number of directions, you crumpled it up even, then it would eventually spring back into being a fork. And there would be no creases, no lines, no proof of previous deformation. It could happen too with something like a paperclip, right? So this would be a really cool material to work with. You can read the full story over on his blog, UFO Explorations. Uh, You can also see some reports by uh, places that we've dunked on as not being the best sources in the past, like the Daily Mail and the Sun, which, you know, we, we were right about this. Uh, so when 
this guy asked the DIA about this stuff. He's asking physical descriptions, properties, and composition of these things. This is where we get into some weird territory because according to Brigalia, and again, just when we consider our sources, folks, the name of this guy's blog is UFO Explorations. So in his blog, you'll see that he believes the information provided to him by the DIA also proves that some of these, what he calls futuristic materials, have the potential to make things invisible. Shout out to our earlier episode on the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, and, and he's saying he's gleaning this because I, for anybody who hasn't read uh, a document that's released by FOIA, there's like a legal requirement to release it with a few exceptions, but there's no legal requirement not to edit it. So you right, so redacted, like like big old highlighty black blocks, right? Right, right, exactly. Like the old onion headline that was so wonderful where it said FBI FBI learns they've accidentally been using black highlighters for decades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the opposite of highlighters. But but isn't it true though, Ben, that there have been cases where people have been able to see through those when you hold it up to the light or something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there was a case a number of years back where someone had redacted a form electronically, which meant that if you wanted to read the unredacted version, you just changed the view. Oh, man. The smallest things, folks, the smallest things bring down the giants. So here, here's the issue, though. The first issue, we'll stop here before we go further with this story. First issue, uh, Nitinol. For anybody who is an engineer or a chemist or anyone who looked this up as they were hearing about this, nitinol is not some magic extraterrestrial material that just got its name from the first guy who discovered it in the wreckage of a UFO. Nitinol is around. We know what it is. Its less sexy name is nickel titanium. It's like a real known thing. Uh, the History of it dates back to 1959. Now, of course, this is the part where a lot of people might say, hang on, when did the Roswell crash occur? Well, it did happen in 1947. So if, if, this is, if this came somehow from that Roswell crash, which we, we made a good case that, there's a good case it might have been a weather balloon or a, nuclear monitoring device, but if if this nitinol was obtained from that crash, then that would mean that somebody else knew about it before the official story. It's funny, when they refer to it in, in the context of the Roswell crash, they call it memory metal, mm -hmm. uh, which immediately, I don't know about you guys, makes me think of T-1000 stuff. Yeah. Oh, it does. Yes. The Terminator. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. I'm looking at the ufoexplorations.com website, and mm -hmm. he's saying, the author here is saying that there was memory metal debris recovered at the UFO crash in Roswell, or mm -hmm. the, you know, alleged UFO crash. Mm -hmm. so, so they're described, I guess what I'm confused about is the FOIA response describing this memory metal as being present? At that crash specifically, or just that that's a material that it states exists within the redacted parts, I guess. So this is this is an interesting point, Matt, because if you go to the blog, you'll see 
the author's interpretation of what is contained in that DIA response. But you can also, on the blog, you can see the full text of both his request and the government's response. So it definitely seems to confirm that they're looking, that they're working with applications of things like amorphous metals. So that would be your T1000 stuff uh, or metamaterials, which would be materials that are kind of purposely engineered to have a couple of extra properties or inanimate superpowers that naturally occurring materials would not possess. Uh, And this also ties back into Bigelow Aerospace, of course. Uh, It's cool because with this kind of news, you know, uh, I was previously pretty skeptical because there was no, you know, we've, we've heard Bigelow saying for years that they had access to some kind of materials that were recovered, but they never shared them. They never talked really about them other than to say that I have them. I won't show them to you. Uh, that's what at least uh, that's what Robert Bigelow and Harry Reid and Tom DeLong all seem to be mm-hmm. saying. But this is a little bit different because you can read the actual documents from Uncle Sam. So I'm a little less, uh, I'm a little bit less skeptical, um, or I think there's more likely to be something here. But the question is: Is this somehow material science that a um, a layperson might not understand, or might mistake for magic, or something extraterrestrial? Or is this simply cutting-edge experimentation for the time in which it occurred? Uh, You'll note, if you read in full the response from Uncle Sam, you'll see that these 154 pages are about five documents, and some of these documents, some of the information in here has uh, has been redacted, not necessarily because of the science involved, but because there there's an exemption that allows them to prevent the unwarranted invasion of individual privacy. So they've crossed out names where it's like, you know, Johnny Blue Jeans is the one who was experimenting with titanium that remembers who it is, despite the way you bend it. Well, I, I want to read something from one of these reported you know, responses to the FOIA request. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says the meta mirror approach to infrared energy harvesting is one of the very promising applications of meta materials. A number of aspects of meta mirrors must be investigated and several important questions must be answered before practical applications can be pursued. Meta mirrors. This mm-hmm. is a, the first time I've ever heard of this. Ooh, an absorber meta mirror structure. My goodness, I just want to dig into all of these. Yeah, right? I mean, it's legit. They did respond. There is something there. Uh, I do have to point out that everybody's immediate thought process, when you hear the headline, the Pentagon admitted to testing UFO wreckage, your immediate response needs to be unknown, does not automatically equal extraterrestrial. They found some stuff, didn't know what it was, they kept it like they're on some state level episode of hoarders and they did all kinds of weird stuff to it. Uh, that's, that's what's happening. Now, is that, it, does that mean that there is technology possessed by the government that the public does not possess or maybe even isn't aware of? 
totally. Even before this, this, yes, totally. Of course, there are things that uh, have not been released publicly. Of course, there's suppressed technology. Uh, I just thought it was interesting. I thought this is a story you guys would enjoy. And everybody listening, all the conspiracy realists who have wrote to us uh, about disclosure, this should be another feather in your cap. Uh, I don't know whether things are accelerating in a certain direction that hasn't been proven yet, but the frequency of things being disclosed in this regard has certainly increased. It's something to keep an eye on. We're going to dig into the full DIA response, and we'll we'll update if there's anything super, super strange. If if they reference, uh, you know, extraterrestrials or anything like that, though I'm sure the author would have led with that if that was the case. Yeah. Ben, listen, non-linear, non-reciprocal chiral metamaterials for developing novel optical isolators and one-way microwave mirrors. Awesome. What? <laughs> I, thought, wait, I thought you were about to do a spoken word poetry thing. It's what it sounds like. <laughs> but I was it, here for it. But it sounds science fiction, and it's, it's a document created by the government about a thing yeah. that I know nothing about. Yeah. Well, you weren't alive during that time, but uh, your your parents were. Uh, they were they were paying people to write these things. <laughs> if you think about it, right? That's taxpayer money. Oh, boy. But yes, this is happening. We are going to report back, uh, and we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. Uh, hopefully, we don't get beamed up or black bagged, uh, and then we'll we'll be back with more strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with more strange news. Okay, um, we're going to pivot a little bit, but kind of stay within the material sciences realm and also like weird uh, uses of materials or questionable stories behind uses of strange materials. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm being very vague here. Uh, This is possibly the most metal story of the year. Uh, and I'm doing metal horn fingers as I say this. If you can, if maybe, who knows, maybe this gets picked for the YouTube clip. Maybe not. But I was doing it aggressively. And it's because this is a story about a man, a Florida man, no less, uh, purportedly with the very metal name. He has two very metal names. Uh, Yago Anax, a.k.a. Prince Midnight, who has allegedly taken the bones, the upper body torso bones, minus the arms, minus the skull, uh, of his deceased Uncle Philip, spelled F-I-L-I-P, it's also kind of metal, um, and converted it into a guitar. Because supposedly Uncle Philip, at least this is what uh, uh, Prince Midnight told MetalSucks.com, which is actually counter to the name of a site about four people who like metal. It's ironic, I guess. Um, he told them that, that Uncle Philip was the biggest metalhead in the world, and he wanted to honor his, you know, um, remains and, and his legacy by converting it into a, a functional guitar because he wanted to be able to shred into eternity or be shredded upon, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this story, you know, understandably, Got picked up all over the place. I saw one in an Indian newspaper of note, the Tampa Bay Times, obviously, um, the original reporting, but places like Guitar World magazine, obviously, CBC Radio One, Complex, Huffington Post, the AV Club, uh, and many more have picked this story up. Um, and Prince Midnight did several posts on Instagram where he talked about how he was planning on doing this, or actually it started off, you know, where he was like, I am going to get my uncle's remains from this medical lab uh, that they were donated to. Apparently he donated his remains to science, but uh, the story goes that they no longer were able to use actual skeletons to make skeletal demo kind of situations like Mm -hmm. our agent Scully. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a real skeleton, right, guys? No, no comment. Oh, okay. No comment. No Comment. Got it. In any case, apparently it used to be that medical remains, remains of this kind could be used in that fashion. And this is apparently not the case anymore. So he was somehow able to get it back, 
which I think is a little fishy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you go about that? Now, you know, it's not like he was digging it up from a grave, which would obviously be hyper illegal. Uh, but this, he claims that he was able to get it back from this lab, uh, the school rather, um, because they didn't need it anymore. And so they were able to, he was able to get it, get it back, I guess, maybe because he showed some identification, showed he was next of kin, what have you. It came in a giant wooden box. Uh, and this is a Greek Orthodox family, again, according to reports. Um, and then he shows the process of making the guitar. He uh, literally installs pickups by drilling into the, the bones um, and then, you know, a bridge. And he has to install like a metal, a steel rod to reinforce it because, you know, it, it, sure, a spine is strong, but a spine also bends. That's not something you want your guitar neck to do. So he had to run a steel rod up through the center of the spine and then put a neck on it. And it's kind of fun to see him play it. You can see this online, actually, in, in several places. Yeah, I saw it on Reddit, I think, first. It's pretty cool, but it's also kind of limiting. <laughs> if you're mm-hmm. truly a shredder, uh, your movements are a little limited because the actual part where you strum is inside the rib cage. Yeah, I saw that too. It's, it feels like it would be a little tough to reach, doesn't it? No, mm-hmm. I do want to say, uh, just because I, I never get the opportunity to work this into conversation naturally, Philip spelled with uh, two L's is an archaic word for the following. That little uh, putting your finger against your thumb and then flicking it at someone. <gasps> Any finger. Yeah, that's a Philip. Oh, that's fascinating. See, there's a, there's a few details, quite a few details mm-hmm. in the story that make me think, uh, uh, well, there's more. We're going to get there. there. There Maybe this isn't the whole story. First of all, the name uh, Yago Annex, it's almost like a nod and a wink to the famous metal guitarist Ingve Malmsteen in that at least it's just a very Nordic sounding name. It's a very metal sounding name, obviously not, well, not Nordic, but like a Greek kind of, it has that vibe mm-hmm. uh, with two A's. It's, it makes, makes me think of Vigo, the Carpathian from like Ghostbusters Two. scourge uh, of Moldavia, the scourge of Moldavia. And also now that you mentioned that Philip, what is that? That, what would you do if you were going to do that? You would be bonking someone on the nose almost as a little, uh, aha, gotcha kind of, you mm-hmm. know, thing, right? Mm-hmm. So the story goes on. Uh, the publication of Origin here, which would be the Tampa Bay Times. And, and if you guys don't know this, many of you probably do. Tampa Bay and Florida in general, but Tampa Bay in particular, has always been known for having a bit of a theatrical kind of metal scene. Like apparently there was a band called like Hell on Earth uh, back in the day that had some kind of scheme to have the first like on stage suicide. And it was Ooh. somebody who was terminally ill and they were going to allow this person to off themselves in full view of, of, of the public. Apparently, it didn't go over well in terms of PR. Uh, so they abandoned this idea. Well, that's the kind of stuff the metal scene in uh, in in Tampa Bay is is known for. Uh, very goth, very theatrical, very black metal. It's almost like uh, Norway or something, you know, but like in Florida. And obviously the Florida man trope, which we've you know been through a million times on this show. Um, but Tampa Bay Times is raising some doubts about the veracity of this story because they believe that Prince Midnight, uh, aka Yago Annex, looks. A whole heck of a lot like this other gentleman who made some news in past years, a guy with also a very interesting name by the name of Odilon Ozer. Mm-hmm. Um, who has an Instagram, by the way. Who has an Instagram. I've been reading it. 
an excellent follow for, for anyone that's interested. Um, and Ozair made the news in 2018 uh, for getting the Guinness record for mm-hmm. like having the world's tallest hat. Tallest and also, tiny hat or skinny it's, hat? Yeah, it's, it looks like a stovepipe hat, like an Abe Lincoln type mm-hmm. situation, but it goes up like to tree heights. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's massive. There's pictures of him wearing a really cute outfit. It's a gray suit jacket and pants that match the color of the fabric of the hat. Uh, and the hat is extending up into the heavens. And then he's wearing this kind of baby blue vest. And he's got a very, very quaffed mustache and long kind of mane-like hair. He really looks like uh, the kind of guy you'd see maybe tending bar at some kind of hipster speakeasy type joint, only with a really, really tall hat. Uh, so that's one thing he did. Uh, he also did another bit where he uh, got another world record for having the longest acrylic fingernails. Um, and so there's images of him with these crazy long acrylic uh, fingernails that, that are extending like he's, he's kind of posing with them. And they're they're again, match his outfit. <laughs> He also had another moment of fame, uh, relatively speaking, where he submitted a uh, taxidermied crocodile um, that has two heads that's now on display at a coffee shop in Seminole Heights uh, in the neighborhood, uh, Seminole Heights in Tampa. So the Tampa Bay Times felt like Prince Midnight had a very striking resemblance to to Ozair. Um, And Prince Midnight is, is admittedly wearing a wig, and you don't really see his face super well. Uh, so the, the jury's still out on this one. It hasn't been, quote unquote, solved yet. Um, I think it's a fun story. Mm-hmm. There are things to be said, though, about the level of um, kind of laying the groundwork for mm-hmm. a hoax like this that sure. our guy, Prince Midnight, made. Because he definitely has a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, he definitely has a, a record. Prince Midnight is an institution. This guy is very much leaning into this persona. Uh, he you know, had to figure out how to make a guitar out of a skeleton, mm-hmm. um, whether it's real or not. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, he definitely put in the effort. One other thing, and I'm going back to, I don't know if you would, if you could call it a hoax, you can definitely call it a performance, mm-hmm. but I don't think a performance is, uh, automatically a hoax. Well, it's uh, only a hoax if the skeleton's not real, right? It, well, yeah, it depends. People have, he, people have uh, sliding definitions of hoax, but I wanted to, Wanted to point out clever hoaxes, especially if they're meant to be discovered, if they're meant to have a nod in a week, they have little clues in there. So maybe Philip uh, with two, with Philip with one L is this guy, the alleged skeleton guitar's name it carried in life. Uh, what if it's short for Philip Pendulous, which is another useless word I know. It means to be suspended by or strung upon a thread. Which goes very well with guitars. I'm just saying. Finally, God, I have like a list of words I never get to use. Those are two. Well, thank you. And it also describes the all of the reporting and outfits that just kind of ran with this story totally. as a sensational piece of news. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. It's it, it's interesting too. The Tampa Bay Times, who did really, you're like you said, Matt. They're the only ones that really did any true digging on this at all. Everyone else just reported it sight unseen. Like, crazy story. Florida man makes a metal metal thing of the year. Makes a guitar out of uncle's remains. Two lines Um, of text. Without actually looking into any any confirming anything. Uh, Which is actually a pretty interesting um, comment on the state of uh, reporting right now. Um, But the Tampa Bay Times 
actually contacted the Guinness World Records office, which, you know, admittedly has become a bit of a it's it's not a thing as much as it maybe once was, you know, it used to record important records, things like, you know, the world's fastest man or what have you. But now it's things like longest acrylic nails and tallest stovepipe hat. Um, so it really is more of like a publicity stunt and it's easy to outdo somebody just so, so you can make the, it's a thing anyway. Um, but they reached out, Guinness said they do ask their applicants to provide a full name, but we'll accept a stage name. And that also points to how this is kind of a bit of a carny esque you know, silly thing these days, Guinness records. Um, if it, it, Call me out if I'm wrong on that, but that's just how it feels. Yeah. Well, a Guinness world records, the Guinness book of world records was never super credible nor accurate. I mean, it is, it is mainly made to be a conversation starter mm -hmm. uh, and to resolve arguments that people had at bars. That's the origin and, story. So and to sell right. actual Guinness. <laughs> right. They ran, they, and they ran the Scholastic Book Fair. I was always very excited about those books along with other things we've mentioned in past episodes. I do want to point out, uh, lest I seem too pretentious for knowing so many unnecessary words, for a long time as a kid, I thought stage name was just the name of a local stage. So I thought people's stage <laughs> names were like the stages they went to to do whatever their show was. It's like, you know, when you go to a festival and they have like the big stage, the main stage and the two smaller stages and they all have kind of clever names mm -hmm. or names of like the companies that sponsor them. That's funny, mm -hmm. Ben. Uh, they, I got thought, a, they got yes, a gig thought, tomorrow on Griff Huxley. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, I thought, I thought pen name was what people named their pens. I was That's, not a very well-adjusted person. You, you learn something new every day. Um, last thing. Uh, so the, the two-headed alligator picture I mentioned before, mm -hmm. um, that was actually perpetrated by a guy by the name of Justin Arnold, who the Tampa Bay Times also believes Ozair uh, resembles. Um, Ozair has said uh, he doesn't know anything about this Prince Midnight thing, or at least he, you know, denied all, any association, said this is not me, and I don't know anything, I have nothing to do with that. I do want to say this other guy, Justin Arnold, who the Tampa Bay Times believed Ozar could also possibly be, he's the one who tricked the paper <laughs> into publishing this two-headed crocodile picture on its cover. So maybe mm. they're uh, a little peeved about that. Uh, this is in 2014. Maybe they're kind of after him a little bit because it really does seem like they're trying to do almost like some kind of lighthearted character assassination here. Uh, but I love this. This guy, Justin Arnold, is currently the front man of a punk band in uh, Tampa Bay called Feral Babies, which I think is a fabulous name for a punk band. Yep. And, and did you mention the response when uh, this outfit from, I think it's from a group called, or it's As It Happens, they reached out to that punk band, mm. and the response was, go F yourself. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So punk. So they're also Totally. And also the uh, Ray Roya, who has been kind of following a lot of this stuff, um, and, and he seems to believe that these are all kind of one and the same. Um, he's on the side of whomever this person may be. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief of Creative Loafing, which we also have here in Atlanta. Uh, I guess that's a Southern thing. I didn't realize that it, was just, it wasn't just in Atlanta. Um, mm -hmm. But he, he says, quote, calling him a prankster seems cheap because he's a performance artist, a genius in a way. So a genius in a way, in a way, what yeah. a shitty compliment. No, nah, well, you know, I mean, it, he, he did call him a genius. So you're good at not wetting the bed in a way. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a little. That's not quite. It's as just. Good. It's such an asterisk. It's a hedge. Yeah, no, it's a hedge. You're it's right. A, I get no, it. you're. I get, yeah, I, I get it. And and there is there is something to be said with the um, the idea of the subversion, which I, I'm quite a fan of. The idea of uh, hoisting someone. Uh, or pranking them for uh, not doing their due diligence, like the Sun and the Daily Mail, to Matt's earlier point and Noel's earlier point. They didn't investigate as much as they should. Uh, but it also makes me think, so these kind of performance artists, they they need an audience, right? So it makes me think there's more in the future to come. And, yeah. and by the way, uh, the guitar is, he, he has dubbed it the Skellicaster, which is clever. Nice. And uh, if, in fact, it is made of human remains, which he obtained legally, uh, he cannot legally ever sell this because it is illegal to traffic human remains, to sell human remains. Yeah. To, uh, to civilians. Correct. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think any medical labs would be in the market for a, Skelicaster. Maybe a museum. I was going to say, you could probably donate it. I bet he could get a museum of death. There you go. That'd be tight. Well, but then, no, I don't know. What does it take to have credentials to buy things like this? Just a heart of darkness. Is it technically illegal to buy things from or for serial killers to sell and profit off of their memorabilia? Yeah, in in an earlier episode, uh, when we delved into the world of serial killer merchandise, we found a pretty disturbing industry. Uh, Those laws, I would argue, uh, or the legal constraints are a little bit different. Like, for instance, uh, yes, there are laws against serial murderers who are convicted making money off selling their own story or something like that. Life rights and such. Right, right. But after someone dies... After, say, a Ted Bundy passes or something like that, then there's not really anything to stop someone else from saying, hey, I have this parking ticket the guy signed or, you know, I have Eileen Warnos's uh, childhood uh, grammar book for some reason like that. That's sticky with a museum. Unfortunately, there there are a lot of gray areas here. Like I in the past, I've made snarky comments about the British Museum which gives lie to the idea that the government is done with the days of empire. Because they did not give a lot of that stuff back. So museums can, museums have, first off, they spend a lot of time working on codes of ethics. So the first question is for the museum, is it ethical for us to pay for this thing? You know what I mean? Um, and they, and, and honestly, museums address that differently depending on the country and depending on the museum. So you hmm. could maybe, if you're listening, uh, what what's the name again? Midnight. His name is Prince Midnight. And, Prince uh, Midnight. You, you, and by the way, big shout out to um, Internet Today, which is a YouTube uh, channel that I've I've really been digging the last uh, maybe six months or so during COVID. They do a segment every week called Weekly Weird News, and I've sometimes crib stories from them, and they they reported mm. on this as well. Um, and they pointed out that the um, you can find his music as Prince Midnight on Spotify, uh, and it's it's metal ish, but it has a lot of marimba and vibraphone on it so Finally. it's a little like odd <laughs> sort of a weird metal jazz hybrid i haven't listened to it yet but well, i trust those guys is it a marimba that has like a rat 
on it, you know, like so maybe it's from a metal. rindle made of human bones. Or I would, that would be snakes. metal. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was talking about the the pedal, but uh, okay, uh, maybe something there else. There we go. <laughs> oh, funny you should say that. And as I'm just going to leave it at this. This is speaking of musical instruments. Uh, I just bought uh, a um, electric thumb piano. It's a it's a kalimba. It's got the little tines on it that you can play with your thumbs, and it has a like it's a wooden box. It's really cool sounding, and then it's got a jack on it. And I am going to plug it into a rat pedal and a bunch of other stuff, too. So I'm nice. excited to, to mess around nice. with that. Look, Don't I have anything made out of human bones, though. I know we're jumping off this story. I really do think the stuff they want you to know at the heart of this is the fact that if you can get a, a out there story that you come up with mm-hmm. and you get one reporter mm-hmm. at one even smaller legitimate outfit to, to publish a story, you can get the entire Internet to just respond and say things like, well, according to this. Oh, office, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. And, yes. And that's oh, do it. your research. Do your research, guys. <laughs> watch the read the sun and watch the video. Like people, people can be too credulous. You know, I mean, nobody ever talks about this. It's so easy to just make up a word. And I, maybe we mentioned on the air, make up a word, get it mentioned five times in five different publications, and boom, you have a shot of being in the Oxford English Dictionary. Like, uh, that's a, a flibbertasm, right? We could make that a thing. It's a living language. Uh, it, it reminds me, too, I mean, like, if you want to see this happening in real time and see, like, the mechanics behind making a total horse story, you know, go viral and be picked up by seemingly legitimate news organizations, I highly recommend you watch the um, uh, Nathan for You episode about the petting zoo, where he essentially frames a story where a goat, a pig, excuse me, rescues a baby goat from drowning, and and he just does all this behind-the-scenes stuff with scuba divers, and, like, they build, like, a plastic track for the goat to go through, and, and they have a guy say, goat in the water, and they do all this thing and make a phone video and upload it, and it gets blasted out on Reddit, organically picked up like crazy, and then before you know it, George Stephanopoulos is talking about it. Japanese news stations are talking about it. You see this in real time. It is genius. It can be done. And ending on that inspirational note, we will pause for a word from our sponsors and be back with one more piece of strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. And this story comes to us from the big old state of Texas. We have a lot of people out there right now listening who are in Texas, I'm sure. Hopefully you're hearing this recently after we're recording it and Mm -hmm. you're not just sitting there trying to find a place to charge your phone still, because I know that's probably been something you've been dealing with, as well as, you know, turning the heat on and staying warm enough in frigid temperatures. Uh, As of this weekend and over the last week, there was an incredible winter storm that went through Texas and just blanketed the almost the entire state and the surrounding areas in, you know, freezing rain in snow and all kinds of things that are really bad for electrical grids, things that are, you know, bring trees down. And you've probably dealt with that wherever you live. You've probably seen freezing rain or something bring a tree down, knock over some lines that are going across a street or something, and then took out power in a small area. Well, imagine if you are in this giant state of Texas and pretty much everywhere the power goes out. And not only that, after some of the major uh, parts of, of the infrastructure are repaired, You have to, as an end user, as just a person with a house or an office or something, you have to deal with rolling blackouts where the the power is turned off just to sustain all of the other, uh, let's say, critical pieces of infrastructure within the state. Mm -hmm. Because you can't just send power everywhere at uh, all the time because there's not enough to go around. It's a pretty terrible situation to be in in Texas, probably right now. I know at least over the weekend, it's been pretty awful. Sure. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to, this story comes from WFAA. It's a local ABC affiliate there in Texas. And the headline is Texas power outages, how the largest energy producing state in the U S failed in freezing temperatures. And I won't go over the entire thing with you here, but the bottom line is that we know what happened at this point, and we know that it's happened before at least twice in the fairly recent past, Mm -hmm. and we know how to fix it and prevent it from happening again, but the major thing that's in the way is cost and money. So... It's not like this was a situation in Atlanta when there was, you know, snowpocalypse or snowmageddon when that occurred, where the major issues were traffic related, where there were power outages, but it was mostly, you know, trees that fell down and took out small parts of the grid. And then other parts of the grid got a little overloaded. In this case, with these freezing temperatures, there are a lot of energy producing nodes, essentially places where energy is actively being produced, where power is being produced and it's being sent back onto the grid. And in these freezing temperatures, many of these in Texas literally froze. The mechanisms where perhaps a mechanical pump that is being used or something that is turning literally Mm -hmm. froze to the point where they could no longer function. And what ended up happening is that Just with this part alone, and this is only one factor within all of the loss of power, the system, just through this one little thing, the system has lost or did lose tens of thousands of megawatts because of this. Uh, A single megawatt, by the way, can power 500 homes, which is a nice thing to know. How many megawatts Uh, does it take to make a gigawatt? Oof, all of them. Okay, cool. All the megawatts get a gigawatt. Um and I want to go back to this concept that this has happened before. Sure. So in in 2011, there was another storm, a winter storm that came through and did pretty much the same thing. Uh, it took out a lot of the infrastructure due to freezing mechanical stuff that was used to generate power. And you can go to, if you look at that article that I cited from WFAA, They link to an August 2011 report from the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, as well as the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and it has recommendations about this 2011 event where a massive power outage occurred because of freezing temperatures. And in here, they cite pretty obvious things, how to weatherize certain equipment that was rendered ineffective in these cold temperatures. They they laid out exactly what needs to be done. The problem is it costs a lot of money to do that. And there are a lot of independent operators here that would have to take those costs on or they'd have to get grants or, you know, essentially loans from the Texas government to do this. Because unlike a lot of other states, Texas runs its own energy for the most part, for the most part, at least. Uh, there's this thing called EGOT, I think. Mm-hmm. That's the or, one where you win the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, and the Tony? Nope, nope. <laughs> Sorry. It's, 
<laughs> Sorry, it's e- it's ERCOT. ERCOT. Uh, not the EGOT or the EPCOT. The ERCOT. It's the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. And they manage, this is a quote here from their website, they manage the flow of electric power to more than 26 million Texas customers. Mm-hmm. And it represents, uh, they represent about 90% of the state's electrical load. Yeah, there there are a couple of other outfits. These other outfits exist entirely due to the gargantuan size of mm-hmm. the state of Texas. I believe El Paso is one. There's an interesting there's an interesting aspect here. Uh, Texas kind of had a sweet deal with like the U.S. has three three electric grids, right? We've got the Eastern Interconnection. That's exactly what it sounds like. You have the Western interconnection. It's exactly what it sounds like. And then we've got Texas, which is mostly what it sounds like. 90% of it is what it sounds like. And then these other places are interrelated. The 2011 case, Matt, is really interesting to me. Um, And shout out to our friend James, I think we should say, uh, who was talking with us a little bit about this. But it's really interesting to me because in many ways, Mexico was a better neighbor than some of the adjacent U.S. states. And they helped Texas out when its grid was down in 2011. Um, part of it goes deep into the Texan history of wanting to be as independent from a federal government as possible. And the result of that now I think there's a good argument to be made here, uh, and I do think this could be a full episode similar to that Enron conspiracy with blackouts in California, which they totally did on purpose. Uh, the um, the thing here is that Texas is kind of having its cake and eating it too. The critics say, like, uh, we're independent; we don't need we we don't need no stinking feds until something goes wrong, and then it's like, oh, we are part of this. Please help us out. And this is not at all a ding upon the millions of people living in Texas who were, of course, not alive when this conversation started. The thing is that the Reliability Council has some enormous powers here. They were formed in 1970, not after a blackout in Texas, but out of after a blackout in the Northeast. And they said, let's not let this happen again. We're beyond the jurisdiction of the feds. Um, except when we need this assistance. And you're right, dude, just like just like the quote-unquote snowpocalypse in Atlanta. Why did everything go sideways? It went sideways because just like that case in Oldsmar, Florida, people didn't care about the boring infrastructure. I don't care about the turbines. The salt. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. care about the snowplows. When's it going to snow in Atlanta? Uh, I don't care. Who on earth is going to hack a wastewater treatment plant? Mm-hmm. The thing is, those eventualities exist. So I, I think this is an infrastructure problem, but we were all talking off air, and you say there's, and I agree with you, that there's uh, something curiouser about this, if not the cause of the outage, which to my mind so far, does seem to be weather. Doesn't seem like there's an Enron at play purposely killing the lights. Uh, but as far as people are, people and institutions are navigating this, um, I don't know about you guys, I heard some weird rumors about zip codes. Yeah, there's definitely stuff going around on social media when you look at the power outages maps. Uh, if you look at which areas seem to have a consistent flow of energy and then the other areas that are either dealing with those blackouts, the rolling blackouts, or just power outages in general. 
it looks on the surface like there's a bit of um what would you say income gap between those who have power and those who don't it seems that way who knows hmm. uh there's no way for us to prove it currently that something like that is happening I'll, i would just say those maps do seem they do seem to paint a picture yeah and just to be clear it's when Matt say there's a discrepancy between the zip codes, <laughs> it is not saying that the very poor and disadvantaged zip codes got power back on first because their lives were already more challenging. In fact, it's uh, it's quite the opposite, isn't it? This is a, a little unrelated, but and this is something I just found out about, but this is a story from December of uh, 2020. Apparently, um, California water uh, is now uh, a future to be traded as a commodity. Yes. Because of uh, potential scarcity. Um, that seems wrong. <laughs> it seems mm-hmm. real well, wrong. There, there's a whole other thing that we're not even getting into today that I do not understand, frankly, and that mm. is the trading of power. Oh, the yes. trading of electricity within the grid and mm. you know how much it costs when you sell, where it's coming from, where it's going, who needs it now, where's the demand. And this is one of the things that that ERCOT group, uh, E-R-C-O-T, that's what they handle. That's one of the things that they do for 90% of Texas. And you always wonder if that could come into play in some way for this stuff. But in the end, it really does feel like, at least to me, that this is a problem of infrastructure that was shown to be an issue in 1989, that was then shown to be an issue again in 2011. Mm -hmm. But since it was a report made by the Public Utility Commission of Texas, uh, it had it wasn't mandatory. So, you know, the individual operators, the companies that run generators, that run power plants, they didn't have to do anything. And like you said, Ben, this is a, a winter storm scenario that comes along once in a blue moon, as they say, or, mm. you know, 12 years once, then 12 years later, and then again, roughly 10 years later, is it worth all of that, you know, the millions of dollars that it would take? Well, I don't know. what price do you put on a human life? Because let's remember, we are also talking about hundreds of thousands of people who depend on technology to live in a very literal, unpoetic way. Uh, they will die without continual help of medical devices and so on. And yes, of course, hospitals do have secondary backup systems just for this. Uh, I think, personally, a well-run, state-level, independent electric grid, I get it. Like, that seems like it could be workable, you know? Um, There's a great thread going on over at our Facebook page, Here's Where It Gets Crazy, where we've got a lot of our uh, native Texans or current Texans in the crowd talking about this and bringing up bringing up some great points. And people are hurting. There are people who haven't had power or water for 36 hours. Uh, there, there are people who are saying, you know, we need to abolish ERCOT and get on a grid with the rest of the country. Or, or as, as some users have pointed out, maybe invest more in ERCOT's infrastructure, boring though that investment may be. Uh, and then maybe maybe take a serious internal look at the organization to see how the people in place can make sure this sort of stuff doesn't happen. Like, if you are not in the U.S., first off, just to give you a sense of scale here, 
First up, if you are not in the United States, it is very difficult to understand just how cartoonishly big Texas is. You can drive and drive. Have you guys ever driven all the way through Texas? No, no. not all the way through. I have. When I was on tour with that metal band, mm-hmm. um, we drove through Texas because we had like four different shows in Texas and then one in New Mexico. So we like drove over the course of a couple of days. We drove like the width of Texas. That's nuts. Yeah. Okay. We're talking 870 miles to go from border to border. That's like 14 to 16 hours on a good day. That's not like there are countries that are smaller than Texas. It is it is huge. So I get For why sure. it has that grid, but like I don't I don't know. I don't know, Matt. You think there are some shenanigans in the way this is being handled? Um I don't know if it's shenanigans. I think it's a scramble because if you look at ERCOT's website, they have videos of their control room. Mm-hmm. It purports to be this, you know, highly technical control room with all kinds of information, way too much information for for the group to know what's going on at all times with the grid and to forecast what's going to occur. And they've they're I'm sure that they are very, very good at that. Mm-hmm. They say there are nine people at all times within that room monitoring the grid across you know, all of Texas, or at least the 90% that they use outside of El Paso and a few other places. Mm-hmm. And you look at this stuff and you think, okay, they are forecasting how bad it's going to be. And unless they, you know, <laughs> unless they turn the knob all the way to SHTF, which would be, I guess, stuff hitting the fan, um, they're not going to, they're not going to plan for this to happen, for it to be this bad. Um, I, I don't really know where I'm going with this other than it, it feels like a scramble, like, oh crap, things are going wrong. Let's see what we can do. And then Mm -hmm. you've got a a company like Encore, which is, uh, Encore electric delivery company, LLC. It reminds me a lot of Georgia power here in, in Atlanta and and in greater Georgia, Mm -hmm. where you will see Georgia power employees out, you know, fixing, getting a tree off the road, fixing uh, a substation, getting a transformer back up and running. That's what that company, at least to my understanding and from the reporting here, that's what they do. But I'm also seeing a lot of uh, people hating on Encore for stuff. But I honestly don't think it's their purview to go out and fix, you know, uh, I don't think it would be their job to fix a natural gas plant. I think that would be on the plant itself. Mm. So I just... I. I don't know that for sure. That's just my understanding from what I'm reading through all these websites. <laughs> and they could be, you know, the we're talking about an energy-rich state, which is one of the reasons Texas was able to build this grid in the first place, right? Uh, what that means is that there are a lot of organizations involved with specific aspects of of this whole, this overall organism, if we want to call it that. And then because there are multiple players involved, that also means that people are necessarily, or institutions, excuse me, are necessarily going to be somewhat territorial. So it may be the case that some organizations really do want to help and get stuff solved and probably have the competency and the skill set to do it, but they can't because it's not their turf. Like that's that, that happens. That happens so often. 
It's interesting. Like, I mean, in Georgia, we have options for, you know, you can go with Georgia Power, you can go with um, Scana or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, But we have a public service commission that regulates rates and sort of keeps that under control. And they're the only ones that can raise rates. But there's also like a lot of former Georgia Power executives that end up appointed to head up the public service commission. So, So there's kind of like a little bit of a conflict of interest in that situation. And Texas has what's called the public utility commission. But I'm wondering, how does that figure into all of this, what we're talking about? If it's sort of like, its own thing uh well the the ERCOT the the Electric Reliability Council of Texas they are a non-profit corporation so like a 501c4 Mm -hmm. they just according to their information they're governed by a board of directors they're subject to oversight by the Public Utility Commission of Texas and the Texas legislature Mm -hmm. so they you know but but again like the members of of this thing of ERCOT are consumers, co-ops, generators, power marketers, retail electric providers, oh, yeah. investor-owned electric utilities, transmission and distribution providers. Mm. Th- these are a lot of words, by the way, that I swear <laughs> are meant to be a little difficult to like get in. Yeah, there's <laughs> some the- obfuscation, isn't there? I mean, the, these are stakeholders would be the, the other uh, umbrella term for this, but but, you know, the average person is probably not going to understand what a power marketer is uh, Dude. and where their where their VIG is. Right. What, <laughs> what service do they provide? What rent do they seek? This stuff. There, there's a lot of money because this is something that the species is accustomed to having now. And it's very difficult to take things from people when they are used to having them. So it follows that people will accept almost any kind of system so long as it seems normalized and provides the things that they believe make their life normal. Uh, shout out, by the way, uh, codename Doc Holiday was was telling us that she actually drove across Texas uh, when she was on tour with a metal band. Who did not necessarily have guitars made from human remains. Right. Uh, that's just adds another point to our proof that uh, our, our super producers have these incredibly interesting, rich backstories. Sure. Uh, uh, but so, Matt, Paul, Mission Control's not here right now. I just want to ask you plainly, just cards on the table. It's just you, me, Noel, Doc, and millions of other people. Uh, why do you think Paul did it? Why do you think he crashed the grid? Something about Applebee's. I don't know. I, you know what it is? I think he resented Applebee's uh, switching to iPad only ordering because um, that happened even pre-pandemic. You know, and I think Paul really appreciated that personal touch of the Applebee's wait staff. Uh, yeah, I really felt like he was built. Just a tiny update: uh, a, a story that was published. Uh, today, um, mm-hmm. referencing a meeting of the Public Utility Commission of Texas that we talked about, which does have oversight over this uh, this collective that you're talking about, Matt, um, but is also staffed by a lot of bigwigs uh, in the energy world. Um, they held an emergency meeting yesterday um, where in order to, it's the same thing that the PSC does here in Georgia, they talk about setting rates and there's a rake height and people, you know, commiserate about that. This specifically, they drafted an order that said 
uh, quote, energy prices should reflect scarcity of the supply. If customer load is being shed, scarcity is at its maximum, and the market price for the energy needed to serve that load should also be at its highest. So... You citizens, <laughs> money, money, are you money, cold? Money. Pay us. Money. No, but it, it, it's supply and demand, guys. It's messed up, and it's capitalism is a longer conversation. But for now, Ooh. we just if you're if you're in Texas, we hope you're okay. Yes. If you're hearing this, when you're hearing this, uh, and please stay warm, however you can. And rem- uh, remember the case of monopolies: supply and demand doesn't always apply. Uh, the same way because you can control the supply for something that will always have this level of demand, electricity, water, air. I'm telling you, there's a lot of money changing hands right <laughs> and, now. And, and, with stories like this too, you look at and you, you can't tell me that monopolies don't exist. Come yeah. on. You can it's tell, more like, yeah. it's more like <laughs> supply and the man, right? Oh, <laughs> there we go. No, that, that's good. And that's that very was perfect. true. Very true. Also, yeah, um, you can say monopolies don't exist, but you will be either uh, willfully lying to people or you will be willfully naive. Again, there's there's a thread going on our Facebook group. Uh, here's where it gets crazy. If you want to check that out, whether you are in Texas yourself or you just want to learn more firsthand uh, from people, we've got the the thread right now is is really active and they're going into some things that I think a lot of the um, larger media outlets are not considering. Maybe things that wouldn't occur to you if you didn't live in uh, the great state of Texas, which which I miss. It's it's just amazing that there's something that big. It's crazy. There. Yeah. Yep. And it's also so diverse, you know, because you have like your Dallas's and your Austin. I mean, Austin's mm-hmm. sort of its own little weird liberal hippie bastion. But even the time that we spent there in Austin... There, there, there's a lot of, there's some kind of normies in Austin too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a very interesting uh, landscape for sure, physically and uh, in terms of just like the mindset of the people that live there. Food's great too. Mm-hmm. Big time. Oh yeah. Oh, Hey, so again, we hope you're okay there in Texas. Well, what are the other things we're talking about? We hope if you've got a guitar, it mm-hmm. isn't made out of a skeleton, or if you've got a skeleton, it isn't a guitar, because really, in my mind, you should keep those things separate. And, <laughs> okay. and we, okay. we, we hope that uh, we hope that you get back to us with your opinions on disclosure, your beliefs, and of course, as always, if you have a story to share with us related to any of these things we discussed, no matter how tangentially, or if you just have a new topic idea that you believe your fellow listeners would enjoy, we would love to hear from you. I'd especially like to hear from anybody who is on the ground in India right now during the protest, for example. Let us know what's going on. Uh, You can find us, as we said, at the uh, various uh, internet outlets. We're on Facebook. Here's where it gets crazy. That got some special shout outs today because of the ongoing situation in Texas. But if you don't care for the internet, you can also just give us a call directly. We have a number and everything. That's right. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk Please leave a message. We're going to tell you exactly how to do it. All right. First things first. Tell us your name, if we can use it, and if it's cool for us to play this thing on air. Then, tell us your message. That's the best thing to do. Try and keep it within 
you know, two minutes, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then afterwards, anything else you want to say just personally to us or, you know, anything really at all, say it at the end. What we mean there is like if there is something that, you know, you don't necessarily want on the air, doesn't pertain to the topic, but you just want to share it with us, then just put that at the end. And if you've got a longer story, uh, we do have a three minute limit on these. So if you have a longer story, it's best to send it directly to us via email, which we'll give you in a second. Absolutely. And Ben, I want to say, I really, I, I was trying to, to, to jump in and be a part of the, the fun and, uh, and, and, and tag and catalog some of these voicemails. And Ben, you had, you had wiped out the entire folder, my friend. I literally did three from today, but now it's under control. Uh, and we're going to each take our little shifts and keep it a little more manageable. But then there are some really good ones in there. Uh, I went through the, the list today, um, just kind of listening to a bunch of them. And man, you guys have some amazing stories. That's right. And if you don't want to do that stuff, there are other ways to contact us. You, you can figure them out. You'll find them. But the easiest one, if you've got a long story especially, or some a lot of details and links, go ahead and send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 